All right, well, amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles as you have a seat. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We'll be there in just a moment. Um, well, Happy New Year. You know, uh, it's, it's awesome to be together. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and uh, hope you're beginning to, to, to experience a new year. It's only just a couple hours old, but... Uh, man, I don't know how you feel about the holidays. Some people love the holidays. They're like me, and they love it when it comes, and they just enjoy uh, the festivities and, and, uh, and, and everything surrounding Christmas. You know, I like it all. I kind of get a dose of Christmas music by about the week after Thanksgiving. And, you know, but, but other than that, I, I, really, I really do love it. But, but some people just want it to be over. I mean, they're, you know, they're glad it's here, and, and they're really glad uh, when it's gone. And it's okay. I mean, if, that, if that's how you feel, that, 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 that's all right. Uh, somebody asked one fella, he said, what were the most beautiful lights you saw this Christmas? And he said, the tail lights on my in-law's car when they drove away. <laughs> He's just glad it's over. We left North Carolina early Friday morning. I'm hoping my father-in-law didn't think, man, that's a beautiful sight, <laughs> the, the lights of the car uh, driving away. But, but what does it mean when the holidays are over? I mean, what, what, what does that mean? Well, it means we get a new year, uh, and it means we get a new start. And what's unique this year, and this doesn't happen very often, is that we get to start the new year with the family of God, in the house of God, and, and really under the teaching of the Word of God. And what a great way uh, to start a new year. It gives us a chance to renew our priorities, gives us a chance to evaluate where we are, uh, where we've been, um, and, and where we're going. It's really an opportunity to, to reflect a little bit and ask yourself, am I who I want to be? Am I who God wants me to be, and am I doing what God has called me to do? And so I think, I think we should all take some time and do a little bit of reflecting. Uh, you know, it's been well said, the unexamined life is not worth living. We, God's given us another year now. You, you may only get a couple days. You may get all of it. I don't know how much of it we're going to get, but he's given us a new year and a new start. And we, we ought to examine our life and, and just see uh, if we're who God wants us to be and, and if we're doing uh, what God wants us to do. If the truth were told, most of us, most of us want to follow Jesus more closely this year than we did last year. I mean, most of us here would like to have more impact for the kingdom of God and more impact or influence, if you will, on the culture around us. Now, having said that, that's probably not on the top of your New Year's resolutions list. For most people, the top of their list is not, well, I want to follow Jesus more closely. I mean, after all, uh, let's face it, those 10 pounds you've been trying to lose your adult life, they're still there. They're like the holidays. They come back every year, right? I mean, they just, and, and, and kind of like the holidays, they grow, you know, but, but some of us are, you know, we're, we're going to try to lose that 10 pounds again, or, or, or maybe you're going to exercise more this year, or, or maybe you're going to eat better. I texted my wife and, 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 or actually my daughter this morning said, hey, could you, 
Could you, we got a big box of Buckeyes. You know, those peanut butter balls surrounded by chocolate. We got, it's got a big box. And I said, can you just bring those? I wanted to share that with y'all. So it wasn't there when I went home. They didn't get the text. So I, you know, have, so I, I can't eat better for a couple days, all right? So, uh, so just, uh, just saying. Um, but, uh, but, but we have all these lists. But, but here's the thing. If you're born again, if you're born again, and if Jesus really lives in your heart and you're a follower, then you have a, you have a flame, a flicker, in your heart that says, I want to be better. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to follow more closely this year than I did last year. And, and somehow that flicker is in there. And there's a desire in our heart that we want to fan that flame and have it grow. Now, if, if that flicker's not in there, you're not born again. You may be a church guy. You may be a church girl. You may be a part of the Sunday school or a part of the student ministry or a part of this and that. But if there's no flicker in your heart that says, I want to follow Jesus more closely going forward than I have looking back, if that's not there, then, then you really need to evaluate your heart. But, but if you decide, here's the thing, if you decide that you're going to follow more closely this year, I just want to go ahead and tell you right now, you're going to, there's going to be some reasons that come up that are going to cause you to want to put that off. If, if you decide today, I'm going to follow Jesus more closely this year than I did last year, there's just some things that are going to come up that are going to, the tendency is going to be for you to procrastinate. Anybody have a problem with procrastination? This is not rhetorical. Okay, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the old black preacher. Somebody asked him, was he a procrastinator? He said, I don't know what procrastination is, but it's one of my doctrines. Okay, it's one of my, it's one of my that's one of the things I do. I, you know, I, I used to have the philosophy, never put off, uh, you know, never do today what you can put off to tomorrow. Jesus might come tonight, right? You know, that was just kind of how I, I, I you know, I looked. That, that was my philosophy in college especially. So, I, you know, I, I didn't want to study too much. Bailey and Carly Ann, do not listen to that. You just <laughs> st strike, strike that uh, from the record. But, 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 but the thing is, one, one of the greatest obstacles to growing in your faith and following Jesus is putting off today till tomorrow what we need to do today. And, and Jesus addressed that issue with some very um, profound and convicting words. And I want you to listen carefully to Luke chapter 9. And then we're going to look at uh, what we'll call the three, three, three dangers, if you will, uh, to following Jesus. Uh, look with me. Luke chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go 
and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Shall we pray together? Father, what a challenging response Jesus gave to those who would be a disciple, to those who would follow him. And Jesus, you just pointed out just some, some barriers that we've got to be willing to overcome, some, some issues that we've got to deal with if we are going to follow Jesus. And so I pray this morning, Lord, I, I want to pray for my heart uh, that it would be open uh, to your word. God, I want to pray for the heart of this people, that this family of ours that's gathered here this morning, Lord, that we would be open to the teaching of the, of the word of Jesus. I mean, this is Jesus saying, this is what I expect from you. And God, I want to I pray for the man, the woman, the young person here this morning that is yet to commit their life to follow Jesus. And I just pray that their heart would be open and their eyes would, would see uh, what it takes to follow Christ. So God, would you have your will and your way in every heart and in every life, and, and we'll give you the honor and we'll give you the glory and the praise for all you do. And Father, we pray and ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, well three different men, and they, they really had, um, they, they, they had a desire to follow Jesus, or at least two of them did, and, and yet Jesus kind of dealt with some issues. And when we begin to look at these issues, what, we, what we'll do is we'll see some things that, that can come up in our own life, just like they came up in their life. And so let me just share with you, what the, first of all, let's, let's talk about the costly commitment. Now, if you look in verse 57, uh, the text doesn't say that he put off following Jesus, but it kind of insinuates that. Notice what it says. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And, and so, uh, interestingly enough, that, that verb, I will follow, is future. And, and so, he wasn't really following yet but he kind of come, he saw Jesus, and I guess Jesus probably had an entourage, and he thought, well, hey, that's, a, that's pretty cool. And so he's, he runs up to the group and says, hey, Jesus, I want to sign up and follow you. And, and, and remarkably, Jesus didn't go, hey, man, that is great. Do you, you know, I'm so glad you're here. What Jesus said is, Really? Foxes have, have holes, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, the, the, the Christ of God, I, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. If you, if you come with me, there's a cost involved. It's going to cost you something. And so... What Jesus was saying is, if you're going to follow me, that demands a sacrifice. Have you noticed? Have you noticed in Scripture, uh, Jesus never made it easy for people to follow. Now, we like to make it easy because we want everybody to join up, right? We, we want everybody to get in. But, but Jesus, he, he never made it easy. 
He always said, hey, there's a cost here. There's a cost here. When you think about the rich young ruler, he said, well, I, you know, you know the story. Many of you know the story. He comes to Jesus, says, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus will keep the commandments. He said, I've done all that. So Jesus put his thumb on his heart and said, okay, take your stuff and get rid of it. Sell it, give it to the poor, and you come follow me. And the guy says, oh, hold up, Jesus. I got a lot of stuff. But, but Jesus, I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable how often, uh, how demanding Jesus was. It, it could it be that the church struggles today, as not, not simply our church, but the church at large struggles today, and even our church. You know, um, could it be that the reason that uh, we struggle to get volunteers, could it be the reason that we struggle to make budget uh, could it be that the reason that we have so little influence is, is because so many, so many of us don't understand that there's a cost to follow Jesus? I mean, there's a cost. In fact, look up in, in verse 23 of, of Luke chapter 9 there. Listen to what, um, listen to what he, Jesus said this to all. Notice verse 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, that's follow. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I mean, Jesus, Jesus was serious. I mean, that, uh, I think it was John MacArthur who said that, that I, the idea, let him deny himself. Uh, the word deny means to, to no longer associate with. And so the idea, Jesus saying, if, if you want to follow me, you can no longer associate with that guy you used to be. You can't be that guy anymore. You've got to deny him, take up your cross, and follow me. And so what that's saying is that when, if, if we're going to come to Christ and follow Christ, we, we've got to turn our back on the old, our old life. I mean, in our culture today, so many, they, they want to follow Jesus, but we want to keep doing everything we used to do. We want to have everything the world has. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You, you need to deny that. You need to no longer associate with that person. And then he makes this statement to take up his cross. We don't get that here in our culture, but in that culture, when somebody took up their cross, it meant they were going to die. It meant they were going to go die. When, when, when Jesus was about to go to Calvary, what did, what did he have to do? He had to carry his cross. Now, the writers in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all identified a guy named Simon the Cyrenian of whom they, they recruited to carry Jesus' cross. But the reason they did is because he was beaten so bad physically, he couldn't do it. But John tells us that his responsibility was to take up his cross. As a matter of fact, John, John 19, 17 says, he went out, listen to this, listen to this phrase. He went out bearing his own cross. In other words, he was going to die. Now, with that in mind, look at Luke 14, verse 27. 
Jesus says, whoever does not bear his own cross, in other words, whoever does not die to his own life, to his own life, and come after me, Jesus said, cannot be my disciple. So what we know is that bearing your cross means that, that you're, you're going to die. Because in that culture, when somebody was carrying this cross, everybody knew he's a dead man. He's going to die. And what Jesus is saying, if you, if you really want to follow me, you've got to die to the old way. You've got to die to the old life. And, and you've got to come and follow I mean, see, the reason it's so easy to procrastinate in, in following Jesus, the reason it's so easy uh, to put off uh, becoming a disciple and, and making disciples is, is because it's hard to die. I mean, some of you are here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You know that you need to surrender. You know, and some of you, I know, I, I know and you know that you need to give your life to Christ. You've not done it yet. And the reason is you know that you've got to die to yourself, and you've got to surrender to Christ. And here's the thing, nobody wants to die. We want to live, right? I mean, who, who, wants, to, who wants to die? Nobody's signing up for that. We, we want to live, and yet Jesus says, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to die to your old, old life. You've got to be, willing, you got to be well, willing to turn your back on your way and follow after Jesus. So, so let me ask you. Let me ask me. Let me ask us. Beginning today, are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to die to yourself so you can go after Jesus? Because if you're going to go after Jesus, you got to stop associating with the old guy that we used to be. We got to be willing to do that. It was a costly commitment. The second man, let's look at our text. The second man, uh, the first guy kind of volunteered. You know, he's just like, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. The second guy, I, I guess he had maybe, I'm just thinking maybe he just had this look on his face I can't believe Jesus said that because Jesus looks, look, look what it says in, in, in chapter 9. Look at verse, I think it's verse 59. To another, he says, follow me. And so Jesus looks over at this guy and he's like, I can't believe Jesus said that. And Jesus says to him, hey, you follow me. And, and I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe he just heard that part about you got to die. Maybe he heard that part about, hey, hey uh, this king ain't got no castle. Why do I want to follow him? I know he's the king, but he don't even have a tiny house. I mean, I don't really want to, you know, I don't want to go. For whatever reason, he didn't want to go with Jesus. So Jesus says, you follow me. And he said, I've, I've got a duty to do, Jesus. I've got to go and bury my father. Now, what he, what he didn't mean was that my dad's dead and we got to go to the funeral. Because in that culture, as soon as you passed away, there was no embalming. You, I mean, you, it just happened. And then you mourned for a period of like 30 days or whatever. What he was saying is, Jesus, before I can follow you, I've got to go home and I've got to fulfill my duty as a son. I've got to wait on my father to pass away. 
I've got to put his things in order and run his business and take care of his family and collect my inheritance. And Jesus, when I do that, then I'll come follow you. And so he had, we'll call them conflicting duties. Now, the, the interesting thing about this duty, this idea of I've got to go bury my father, the highest family duty for a son, a firstborn son, was to bury your father. That was the highest duty. In fact, theologian Leon Morris said this. He said this idea of burial, it took precedence over the study of the law. It took precedence over serving in the temple. It took precedence over killing the Passover sacrifice. It, it took precedence over the observance of circumcision. I mean, it was the most important. Matter of fact, the only way you could escape that responsibility is to have a Nazaritic vow or to be the high priest. If you, had, if you didn't take a Nazaritic vow to, to abstain from, from all things, uh, including touching the dead, and if you were not the high priest of Israel, your highest duty, your highest duty to your family was to bury your father, set his business in order, and re- receive the inheritance. That was the highest duty you had to your family. And the guy says to Jesus, I'd love to follow you, but you're a king with no castle. I need to go home. I need to take care of business at home. And after that, I'll follow you. And and notice what Jesus said. That ain't going to do it. That's not good enough. Jesus said, hey, you let the dead bury the dead. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant you let the spiritually dead the, the lost bury the physically dead, and you come and you follow me. Now, now I, want you, I want this to sink in for a minute. Jesus calls this guy to follow. And this guy gives the most important reason you can give to not follow. I've got to f- fulfill my family duty. And Jesus says, that's not good enough. You come follow me. What, what duties, what responsibilities do we have? What, what reasons do we give to Jesus for why we can't follow him. Because when you, when you compare our excuses, and I'll use them, and I'm talking about our, because I've got them just like uh, some of you have them. Listen, when, when we give our reasons for why we can't go make disciples, when we give our reasons for why we can't go follow Jesus, if we measure them against the scriptures, if we measure them against what Jesus said, I don't know that they will measure up, right? I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Look at, see, see, look in verse 59. He says, I, I got to go to my family. And then in verse 60, Jesus said, no, no, 
I want you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Instead of going there, I want you to go here. So here's kind of the thing. Here's what Jesus was saying. Listen to this. What Jesus was saying is, I will not be second place. Jesus will not be second place. I will be second to no man. I'll be second to no woman. I'll be second to no children. I will be second to no thing. That's why in Colossians 1.18, it says God's made him the head of the body, the firstborn from among the dead, in order that he might have preeminence or he might have supremacy or he might have first place in your life. And that's what Jesus was saying. Is, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to be second. If you want to follow me, I'm not co-champ, I'm not second, I'm not third, I'm the king, and if you want to follow me, I get to be first place. And that's heavy. <laughs> that is really heavy. But I mean, that, that's what's in the text. That is what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting. Here's kind of, a, kind of a sidebar. Let me just get this real quick. What's interesting is to follow Jesus is, is more than what we think it means to follow Jesus because we pretty much think, man, if, man if, if I'm faithful to church and maybe go to Sunday school and study the Bible and, and, and give my tithes and, you know, then, then I'm, a, I'm a good church member. And, and you are, and we are. If you do that, you are a good church member. But, but Jesus equated following me with making disciples. Jesus equated following. He says, hey, you come follow me. And then he says, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And somebody has said uh, wisely that, that if, if we're not fishing for men, we're really not following Jesus. And the idea of the text, what Jesus, what's in the text there is that the call to follow him is the call to proclaim him. Now, uh, interesting word, the word for proclaim, uh, you can translate it preach, but, but some of the old scholars uh, translate it to publish abroad, to publish abroad. Think of it this way. If, if we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to make his name famous. We're called to publish his name by what we say, what we do, and how we live. And there was this, these conflicting duties here. And this guy wanted to follow, but he had a great reason not to follow. But Jesus said, hey, your reason isn't good enough. Now, let me ask you this morning. Let me ask me this morning. What, what reasons do we give for why we can't follow him? What, what reason do I have for why I can't go, go across the street or, or go across the office or, or have that spiritual conversation with my friend that I know I need to have? What reason do I give? What, what reason do I give for, for why I, 
I, I can't uh, tie the percentage of my income uh, to, the, to the kingdom and kingdom work. What reason do I have for why I can't give to God's work and God's kingdom? What reason do we have that, that we can't be committed to be in the word every day to let God speak into our life? What is it that, that keeps you and me from following Jesus? Because I'm thinking if, if, if you take your reason and if I take my reason and if we lay it down and we measure it against what Jesus said, if we measure it against the scripture, this guy who was going to do the most important thing a man could do to his family, and Jesus said, that's not a good enough reason. I'm thinking when I give my reason for why I can't follow Jesus, it's not going to measure up. And the reason it's so easy to put off following Christ is because it's costly. The reason it's so easy to put off following is because, man, it's hard. But, you know, we want to make it easy. And, hey, I'm part of the profession. I'm part of the, I'm part of the teaching guys. I'm part of the preaching guys. And, and we want to make it easy because we want everybody to follow. It's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, hey, you want to follow me? Pray this prayer, get baptized, and go live your own life. It's not what he said. It's not what he said. Let's look quickly at the third guy. I mean, we've seen the conflicting duties that, that may keep us from him. We've seen the costly commitment. Then in verse 60, yet another. I'm, just, I'm surprised. He's watched. I, I'm thinking he's probably heard the conversation. And he heard Jesus tell this guy, you got to pay the cost. And he told this guy, you know, it's not good enough to go let the bed, dead bury the dead. And he said, hey, I'll follow you. But I, gotta, I need to go say goodbye to those at home first. Now, it's interesting. Look at the wording there in verse 60. And Jesus said to him, leave the, or excuse me, verse uh, 61. Um, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my house. Now, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow is fit for the kingdom of God. But here's kind of a key word. Look, at, look again in verse 61. He said, let me first, let me first go and say farewell to my family. Now, is there anything wrong with being a family man? Absolutely not. We're called to be family men and family women. We're called to love our wives. We're called to love our husbands. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. But, but what this man said is, is, let me put my family first. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm first. No one who, who, dis, who puts his hand to the plow and then concerns himself with what he's leaving behind, this kind of idea, is, is fit for the kingdom of God. And man, that is... That's interesting. See, see, here's the thing. This idea of competing interests. I, I, think the, I think the analogy is, and I don't know how many of you have, I don't know if you've, uh, we don't plow like they plowed. Some of us have probably farmed a little bit over the years, but, 
But the interesting thing is, just imagine if, if this guy's, you know, he's got his, his beast. I don't know if it would be a donkey or, or a mule or a or, or, or cat, whatever. But he had this beast that was pulling his plow. And his responsibility, you know, if, if he's holding the plow maybe with one hand, and then with the other hand he's goading the ox or goading the, the beast, you know, to, to make a move. If, if he's got both hands and he's looking here, it's impossible for him to look back and, and, and be focused on where he's going. And here's what you if you've ever tried to lay out a furrow uh, with a hand plow, with a yard tractor, or with a farm, it doesn't matter. If, if you don't set your eyes on the, on the, and mark your eyes on the end, you'll never set a straight row. And what will happen is you'll be all like this. Because when you look back or you look beside you, you can't focus. And what Jesus was saying is, listen, if you're going to follow me, you know how we'll say to our kids, eyes on me, one, two, three? You say, eyes on me. You, you got to follow me. That, that's why Paul said in Philippians, uh, li- listen to Philippians. Uh, turn real quick over to Philippians. And I want to, uh, real quickly, see if I can find my place. Chapter 3, listen to verse 12. He's talking about uh, attaining, uh, following Jesus. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider uh, that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What Paul was saying is, I, I have turned my back on what I used to be. And I'm focused on following him. And, and what Jesus is calling us to do is to turn our back on the old life, on the old way, and to follow him. Jesus wants to be first place. He desires to be first place. He deserves first place. And he demands first place. If you're in Luke, turn to to chapter 14. And let me pick up in verse 25. And I just want you to see, listen, don't. I'm I'm just telling you what Jesus said. This is, you know, if you, if you don't like my message, I think probably some of you are not going to like it. Don't shoot the mailman. I, I, you know, I'm just delivering the mail here. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 14, verse 25. Now, great crowds accompanied him. Great crowds. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, is he saying, hate your family? No. He's saying, I got to be first. I got to be first. More important than your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, your grandkids, your grandkids, more important than yourself. 
Then verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So therefore, he says all that, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus demands to be first. He's not saying hate your family. He's, not say, he's saying, I deserve first place in your life. So therefore, whoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So, so this morning, as we start a new year, what do you need to renounce so that you can follow Jesus. What do you need to surrender so you can follow Jesus? What do you need to, to give up? What do you need to turn your back on? There's a legendary story. I, I don't know uh, precisely the accuracy of it, but in 1519, Hernando Cortez and some 500 or so soldiers and maybe 100 sailors landed. I think they, they think there may have been 10 or 11 ships. Uh, they landed on the Yucatan. They were going in search of gold. And, and uh, he was outnumbered by who they were going to find and, and everything. And, and some of his soldiers wanted to go back to Cuba, evidently, as the story goes. But, 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 but he was committed to going inland and def- defeating uh, the Aztecs, I believe it was, and, and to find the gold. And, and as the story goes, when they got away from the coast and began to get up in the hills, uh, they, they, they looked back and, and, and there was a great pillar of smoke and he had left someone behind with the responsibility to burn the ships. Now some say that he didn't burn the ships, that they sank the ships. But regardless, he destroyed the ships because he wanted his men to understand there's no going back. There's no going back. And, and what Jesus said to this group of would-be followers, if, if you come follow me, there's no going back. You can't have one foot over here in the world and one foot over here with me. You got to decide. And and so, churches, we start a new year. You got to decide. Are you willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus? Are you willing to pay the price? Some of you here today, you've never been born again. 
Some of you have been coming to church your whole life. Some of you have been coming just a little while. And you've never been born again. And you've got to decide today, are you willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus? Are, are you willing to turn your back on the old life and come and follow him? And you've got to decide that. Now, you might be thinking, man, I, I don't... I don't know if I'm willing to pay the price. I don't know if it's worth it. These guys that lived with him, you know, save Judas who betrayed him, who was a devil, they gave their life, literally, to follow Jesus. They were crucified, they were boiled and all, they were beheaded but they knew it was worth it. And I can tell you it's worth it to follow Jesus, but you gotta decide. Are you willing to pay the price? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Let me, let me say to you who are not followers, would, would you be willing this morning, would you be willing this morning to surrender your life to Jesus? He died a death you could not die. He paid a price you and I cannot pay. And he offers you forgiveness and grace, and it's free. But if you follow him, it'll cost you your life. Would you be willing today to give your life? Jesus.